My name is Kimberly Q. I'm a full-time freelance actor in Singapore and you're listening to Play Acting, a weekly podcast of an actor's journey and growth which features online script reads of plays written by local writers. Hello my friends, thanks for listening to another episode of Play Acting. We unfortunately didn't manage to launch episode 4 last week because one of our cast members had a family emergency and couldn't make it for the recording session. But it's alright though, family is always, always, always the most important. So we are sending all the love. The table read of Body in the Kitchen is still happening though, so please look out for it in the next few episodes. But today, I'm really happy to be able to introduce to you Lee Hong. We've crossed paths once or twice at potlucks, I think, and and events. And early this year, we got the chance to work together on a piece. And we'll we'll talk about that a little bit, a little bit later. A little bit, a little bit later, my goodness. Anyway, we'll talk about that later, yes. So, Lee Hong, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Thanks, Kim, for having me. Uh, she asked me to introduce myself, and it's really difficult for me because I'm very undefined. Um, <laughs> so, I have a background in materials engineering, and right now I work in sustainability innovation. That's my day job, and I'm exploring acting and all related arts, um, not on a full-time basis, but I'm extremely passionate <laughs> Thank you for being here. I mean, it wasn't that hard, right, introducing yourself. Um, Anyway, last week we talked a lot about how there are so many people who are creating in their homes. They are um, writing, producing, directing, acting, what have you, right? And especially in a time like this, it's so important to keep our creative juices flowing so that we're not kind of driven up the wall. And um, it also pushes people to finally work on themselves work on their passions, um, to step out of their comfort zones. And I know it's true for me. I mean, look at me, podcasts and all. But Li Hong, do, do you agree? What what have you been up to during this period? I've actually been up to um, quite a bit since we started the um, work from home in late March. Um, I think at first I, I was kind of uh, at a loss for what to do because we mm. were of um, a intro to Lee Strasberg class. And um, we didn't know whether mm. it would continue, but we brought it online. And uh, although it's different from being in, in person, mm-hmm. uh, I think our mindsets were more geared towards uh, doing something rather than doing nothing at all. Right. So I've been doing that. And then after that, I did a solo performance workshop called the Body Series, which was facilitated by Giovanni Ortega. Mm-hmm. It's actually a two-part series with a four a first part that was a four-week uh, writing process mm-hmm. where um, every week we would get together, talk, and, um, and write based on prompts like what is this home, what is this body, and what is this society mm. and in response to other pieces of work. Right. And yeah, it was, a, it was quite a long process of writing which was also influenced by other things that I was reading at that time. And mm. um, then after that, we spent two weeks doing a performance intensive where we, we turned that written piece into a performance, mm. which was for most of us, we had to record it, mm. uh, turn it from um, a live piece into a piece of a, a film format. Right. And what was your piece about? Uh I decided to explore the embodiment of loneliness in eating mm. disorders in mine, mm. uh, inspired 
by my own personal experiences with eating disorders for like um, 8 to 10 years, when I was, starting from when I was 15 years old. Oh, wow. Your piece sounds really personal. And I mean, it's essentially a story of your life and it's not like um, a fictional piece. So I'd imagine that the process of you kind of um, creating this piece is a little bit different and a little bit more vulnerable for you, right? So can you tell me a little bit more about like what it was like? Well, um, I that the the piece is very uh, autobiographical because I chose to I chose for it to be autobiographical. Huh. Um, there are other pieces in, in the in that series. Other. Mm-hmm. Um, the creations of other people that were uh, fictional uh, because well anyway in actually part of the process mm. involved the use of um, a technique called autodrama mm-hmm. and it could have actually been used as an exercise before developing the final piece but I used it directly to create my final piece so uh, uh, it is as it suggests it is an auto like uh, autobiographical drama mm-hmm. And it's supposed to uh, bring the actor's biography on stage mm. uh, based on the premise that art is actually essentially autobiographical. Right. And uh, I kind of saw it as a way for me to delve deeper into myself, to know myself better so mm-hmm. that um, I can advocate for another character better in, in another project. Mm. So um, mm. there are some rules though because you know it's, it seems like you can just, if you exploit your feelings, memories, and dreams, mm-hmm. there, there is a risk that you don't know where the boundaries are. So in using this mm. technique, we talked about how the actor should be the only person who's deriving pleasure from pain. Right. And they shouldn't be relieving trauma in order to provoke any kind of uh, feelings or emotions that they want to portray. Mm. Actually, when I was, I kept this in mind when I was doing my piece because uh, there were some scenes where I wanted to embody uh, a kind of monster. In oh. particular, there was one scene where I... I was eating a mango mm. and it became very animal. Mm. And I, for a moment, I did feel like an animal. And it was strange because we say, I think, therefore I am. But mm. in this case, I was doing and that that action made me feel like I was something else than myself. Mm. And um, and then it felt a little slightly strange to then stand up and go and wash my plate. So that, mm. was, that was an interesting experience that, that this, uh, mm. the process provoked. You know, I really like what you said about how whatever you process, you shouldn't put yourself in a position where um, you are reliving your trauma or your pain. And you know, part of acting is being able to fully immerse yourself in your character and use real life experiences to bolster your performance so that whatever you are portraying is truthful. And sometimes you gotta dig into personal experiences that may be difficult to tap into. And I find it so important to be self-aware and kind of to be able to only use what is necessary and not push yourself to a point where you're stuck in the experience and you're kind of wallowing in in despair. And and usually the difficult emotions are um, the the sad ones and the more painful ones, you know. And it's really interesting, though, to hear this because you're not only tapping into for a fictional character, you're essentially replicating the entire experience or entire moment for the camera. Yeah, so, you know, autodrama can be terrifying because... 
requires us to it requires us to expose ourselves one and secondly to come up with something theatrical so that's voices and one is already hard enough what part of us do we feel safe enough to expose i actually um assumed that it was something in the past and that uh, i could i felt safe enough to expose it and uh, i think I, I i didn't really think about it as i was doing the process i was kind of um uh swept up into the whole creating process and um being with the group felt safe i didn't think about how i would feel when i showed it to a public mm. so uh it was only before the showcase that i suddenly felt um slightly vulnerable that mm. um that i was going to show this part of me which i've never really showed to anyone i mean yeah i've never really showed to to anyone much less um people that i don't know right um and it was also the first time that i created a solo performance so yeah there were a lot of firsts there so mm. i was quite nervous about it so eventually when your piece was showcased online um how how did that make you feel did you feel like relieved did you feel even more self-conscious like what was it like um i think it was a positive process for me a positive experience uh showing it to people even though it was over zoom and um hearing their reactions uh i mean looking at their reactions because we could only type um because right before as i said i was feeling nervous and vulnerable mm-hmm. and um kind of frankly a little bit tired <laughs> of the work and the right. topic because i had been working on it for so long yeah and um yeah i was not feeling very confident about it mm. and i was worried that it was too dramatic mm. although that was the whole point <laughs> mm. and um And then seeing people's um positive responses and some of them said they they felt very uh they felt touched by the piece they could relate to some parts of it mm. that was very gratifying for me mm. um and then some people asked me whether it felt cathartic to to have made this piece right it's funny because i never even i didn't think about it i didn't think about this piece as a piece something that would allow me to to have catharsis uh. it um It's not cathartic in the sense that you know finally I can channel all my feelings um something uh, feelings that I've been repressing because it's not that I I I know I have talked about this to friends before but it mm-hmm. felt like um a necessary step mm-hmm. before I can um go further right. in my understanding and in in my in creation in mm-hmm. creating Right. So it feels like uh what you're getting at is that once you put yourself out there, once you took the first step in creating something, a part of you kind of unlocked and you feel like now you can do more, you can create more, you can be confident about kind of putting yourself out there and um it sparked something in you to have your voice be heard. Yeah. Yeah, I would say it was like maybe catalyzing rather than yeah it was cathartic but more more ca- uh catalyzing right and you know that's really amazing to hear and i can definitely speak to that as well i've always felt like um i'm not a very creative person or that i'm unable to properly 
kind of structure what I want to communicate. And that became a barrier and that was a barrier for a very long period of time. And you know, there were times where I would create something and then I would then pull it down a, a minute later. But you know, as I started this acting journey, as I started putting myself out there more, it made me more confident in continuing the creation process. I mean, look at me, if you told me that I would have a podcast uh, in like two years ago, I'll be like, yeah, whatever, just get off my face. But I mean, here I am and I'm creating stuff and well, you know, there will always be haters. You can't please everyone. Um, at least you are doing something and, and, and that's what I'm really proud of for myself. Um, but you know, you were talking about dramatizing your biography and I immediately thought about the piece that I did in my intermediate Strasbourg class at HCAC where we had to write and act in a one-person piece and for some reason I wanted to write about dissociative identity disorder or DID for short. But you know, as I started doing my research, I realized that what we understand and see in the media isn't really the best representation of the community. But it's dramatic writing, right? And I found it really difficult to um, sort of find that balance because I felt like I didn't want to risk perpetuating stereotypes. So it kind of goes back to what you said about finding the balance of the truth of the matter and essentially dramatizing it for performance. Yeah, I can definitely um, speak to that because mm. even in my piece, I I struggled with um, the balance between representing the truth mm -hmm. and um, you know like having that degree of separation so that people it, so that the people don't feel like a voyeur like mm. they're just seeing your life. <laughs> yeah, there's also there's, that's also an artistic choice if you want to make a piece like that. But in mine, I think I wanted also to protect. Uh, whoever may have been in my life at that time and mm. subconsciously contributed to um, unhealthy relationships with myself or rather they weren't aware of it so they were not aware of how I used my interactions with them in, in, an, in a toxic manner so um, there was also that to consider when you're when the story involves real people mm. and uh, so I rewrote my piece a couple of times to make it more abstract and not, um, and I took out a lot of um, real conversations that, that I had at first included mm -hmm. to give it more of a sense of uh, reality. Um, you also talked about like self-doubt. I, I also felt like that because this was my first time doing anything like that and I'm not, I'm not like a writer either, I write a blog. But um, how, I, how I tried to right. go around that was um, to um, reassure myself that it was a work in progress. So it, we're allowed to make mistakes, we're allowed not to be perfect, and uh, it's just a reflection of our, our mm. art at that point in time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a really nice way to look at it, that everything we do is a journey, and there will always be be room for improvement but you know if you don't even take the step you'll never know what to improve on right um you know I, I would like to talk a little bit about the production side of things too since you know we we had to create our piece from home with limited resources and all that my piece is I mean for everyone who 
obviously have not watched my piece because, you know, I'm not going to share it. But my piece is about a woman who kidnaps the pedophile who preyed on her in the past to get answers. And the camera was meant to be in the point of view of the victim. So I kind of roped in my boyfriend to work the camera. Haha, <laughs> uh, no pun not intended. But yeah, I got him to work the camera. And so he had to, you know, look around, be afraid, struggle a little bit and try to escape because he, and, and you know, he's not an actor he, or, or someone well-versed in the production side of things. Um, so I then I had to tell him every single thing he needed to do based on the script. And it was so difficult for me to play the role of actor and also direct him at the same time. I found myself getting really, really distracted because every time he did something wrong or missed a cue, I'd get thrown off while performing because... You know, I would, think, I would think to myself, oh my gosh, he's not supposed to do that. Oh my gosh, he, he should be trying to escape now. Otherwise, I can't say my next line. Um, and I don't know, I, this whole experience uh, strengthened our relationship for sure because we, we saw each other in our element. Um, but it also made me see the importance of being able to separate myself when I, I'm acting and to literally turn off the director part of me and focus on the performance aspect. Yeah, I, I I have to say kudos to to you for doing that. And was a, I thought it was very creative to um you know have the camera angle to be, I mean to have the frame, uh mm. be from the point of view of your captive, <laughs> and uh, I was always wondering how you managed to make that blinking effect. Right, that was a nice touch. Yeah, you spoke about having to code switch between uh the roles of director writer mm. and uh, actor, actor yeah. um, I can totally uh, relate to that because that's what I was doing as well I was actually modifying what I wrote as I went along uh, sometimes and then also changing changing the storyboard sometimes depending on what I felt was achievable and I have to say that it's sometimes a little bit liberating to like step into the a role of the director mm. and then free yourself from being that performer for a while. So right. I didn't find it particularly hard. Um, maybe because I'm I haven't been an actor for very long. So it's it's not like it's like, you know, a very core part of my identity. If we talk about the technicalities of uh, doing that piece at home, uh, the auto drama exercise right was the prompt that I departed from. It says to perform what we believe to the high to be the high points of your life in ten minutes. And uh, it is uh, assumed that you're doing that to a live audience in a studio. And um, when I adapted that exercise, when we adapted that exercise for the camera instead, it changed the game up because we, we had to think about how that would look on the camera and, mm. um, and then working with what we had at home only. And at home, I have no studio space. I can't even just, you know, perform something and just record the whole thing and that's it. That's the, that's the performance. I can't. I have only like maybe like a one meter wide uh, wall that was empty. And I, I even had to clear that space for that. Um, so if you look at the whole um, piece, there are only like a couple of scenes where it's like I'm doing something against a white background and the rest mm. is like um, a bunch of um, found footage in my phone and, um, and scenes that I film from my everyday life. Mm. So I made these constraints into a creative prompt 
uh, and sometimes that does help to move things faster because you don't have like a million of possibilities anymore. You just have to work uh, with a few choices. Limiting choices helps me a lot, right. I find. Yeah. You know, it also got me thinking about the piece we both did together. Um, for those of you listening, Li Hong and I had the opportunity to devise a play called Let's Not Talk About. And this was done at the cusp of COVID kind of blowing up. And that means that we take an idea or devising means that we take an idea of some sort or some sort of stimulus and we create a piece. We get to decide where the story is going, um, what we want to say. And, you know, our stimulus was an original play by Carla Cantrell called Let's Not Talk About Men. Initially, you know, we were going to just work off the original piece, make a few tweaks to phrasing and things like that. But, you know, after maybe the first two rehearsals of sorts, the cast and director, Tom Schultz, felt that the original play was a little bit kind of dated and that as women there was a lot more to say and to tap on essentially so Tom kind of introduced devising to you and mind you there were four of us in the cast and we were just first time devisers and I was so confused and lost when we first started I was expecting to kind of jump right into beats and rehearsals and character building and and world building and, you know, as the rehearsals went by and we started to literally start from scratch, I was like thinking, what the heck did I get myself into? I was so, I was like, I was way out of my league then. Um, I, I, I think the whole um, process of um, working on Let's Not Talk About was like an exercise in exploration and, and adaptation. And, and the funny thing is that it happened... Um, on like with with uh, COVID nineteen unfolding in the backdrop, where in our daily lives we're also like having to respond to all the all the crazy things that that threw at us, right? It seemed like you know the typical plot structure where like uh, your protagonist has to overcome ever more difficult obstacles to reach their goal, and then when they reach it, they realize it's not something bigger happens, right? Yeah, exactly. Something else happens, mm. and for for us, that something else was circuit breaker. I think <laughs> yeah. was the extension of circuit breaker. Thought that that would be finished. I think I kind of trusted the process. Um, it it, will, it wasn't too difficult for me to to be in that situation. Uh, there were some parts where, like, I felt a little bit, um, maybe a little bit impatient. Like, I wanted us to be able to go to the next stage. Uh, but that's the the thing about devising you can't really rush the process the the most important part i think the part that takes the longer really that initial uh bit where we're building rapport and um getting to a uh be on the same page about what um the direction of the action and uh, what kind of ending we want so that we can write towards that yeah, I felt like I was flapping about like a headless chicken for most part. <laughs> but um, once we aligned on what we wanted and what we wanted the audience to take away, then it was easier to work towards that, you know. I would say um, that if we had a little bit more time to write and 
especially to rehearse, our piece would be much tighter. And I think we spent the majority of our time writing and not really rehearsing, you know, which was a shame. And mm. and then because of Circuit Breaker, we ended up rewriting again so that we could record the piece from home. And I just felt like yeah. there was a lot of writing involved and we didn't have much time to really rehearse and internalize the piece. Yeah, I... Yeah, as you say, um, normally if you in a in a typical process, you as the actor get the script and you you do your own script analysis, you you build your characters in a world. But uh, in this piece, we were we were actually building the world together as a as an ensemble. And usually that works best if we know each other already. But what uh, what we what we started out was with was that um, we we were all strangers essentially, and um. We did start from like writing our characters, uh, individual characters' backstories, but we also quickly realized when we came together that we couldn't be married to the character that we wrote. Right? We made a lot of changes, all of us, because because we could we had to think of the whole show rather than um just our own characters. Because our our characters' story is not the show. The show is um how the everything marries. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I found that I became really protective of my character as well. And I wanted my character arc to be a certain way. And you know, you're right. You really need to look at the bigger picture and how each character fits into the larger narrative. And you know, as we're talking, I realized that I'm so focused on being an actor, and I do this in inverted commas, that when I have to play different roles, it becomes very difficult to put on different hats. And you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I mean, it's great that I see it now because um, I guess I'm able to better myself on this journey, yeah. you know? No, I, I, get, I get what you're um, trying to get at. Uh, that's why we have a director, right, who um, set us some limitations. We could only modify our own character's lines. Um, but I think to our credit, the number of um, times we had to, you know, change our mental framework around this piece, um, I think we should give ourselves credit for that. Um, the whole the whole process has some intrinsic value, I think, in in uh, giving us that opportunity to build a bit of resilience. Uh, I think as a as a yeah patience patience and resilience, and. Uh, I think creativity in terms of solving a problem. Oh man, you're completely right. I guess, like, I'm just really glad something came out of it. I mean, from a stage play to reduced audience size to radio drama and then editing the script so that we can record it through Zoom. Um, But that's the common thread, isn't it, in all these pieces that we have been talking about, that it's so easy to say, you know, guys, it's circuit breaker, life's cancelled. Let's just wait till everything's open again. But, you know, we didn't let that stop us. And in fact, we see more people pushing through, using their time to uh, pursue that passion or pick up that skill that they always wanted to learn. I feel like this period has really tested our determination and adaptability, you know? Like, I don't care what you create. It's more about stepping outside of your comfort zone and just saying that I'm going to try and then go from there. And if you fail, it's something that you learn from, but at yeah. least you've kind of done something, right? 100% agree. Um, if anything, if there's anything we can learn from uh, circuit breaker and from uh, COVID nineteen beyond beyond the fact that you know it it like revealed lots and lots of vulnerabilities in in the world that we we actually really need to fix is is really that 
um, we are much more adaptive and adaptable and resilient than we think. And um, while that's true, and a lot of us have like you know pivoted and done other things, there was also this sense of like, oh, I really need to be productive. This is the time for me to be productive. I'm I'm at home anyways. Um, and then we kind of beat ourselves up if like we just need to really decompress and not do anything. And that's that's also something else. Like the this period has forced me to think about how mm. much we've internalized that productivism, right, right. that that mindset that we must always be uh, doing something with our time. Mm. And uh, yeah, that I think it's a, it's a fine balance. Mm. What is the one thing you might want to tell our listeners today? I th- uh, relating to what we've just talked about, I think life is basically one long improvisation exercise. And like, we need to have a vision of where we're going to that and we cannot be like, uh, have all the steps in mind that we must absolutely do to get there because, uh, you know, things can change. And uh, like all the projects that uh, Kim and I have been in, um, we've basically, you know, had to adopt the, the improv mind set and just you know take it step by step be in lockstep lockstep and be present basically present in that moment just a little bit have a little bit of gift uh backwards and forwards but don't try to like project too much mm, oh my gosh i love that i love that you said life is a game of im im improvisation improv what oh my god <laughs> yeah i have trouble saying that too wait improvisation. <laughs> Improvisation, yes. Oh my gosh, I'm an actor, huh? <laughs> Improvisation, yes. I got it down to a T. I promise, I'm an actor. Um. Anyway, this is a topic that you know I want to talk about in the near future. Life is so fluid. Things change all the time. I have a lot of people ask me like what success means to me and when I want to achieve um, whatever goal I have and what and, and is my goal being a celebrity and, and you know all these things. And don't get me wrong, goals are so important. But if you don't enjoy the journey or learn anything while moving towards that goal, then I feel like you're not achieving all that much i mean you're missing the point i feel like then you once you reach a goal you you start to lose your identity because you don't know um what else is next and you don't know what has made you you i i think that uh to be an actor in the fullest sense uh actor literally means like you act you Mm. do Mm. it's it's the doing the doing part right and uh even in other languages in french it's jouer it's to play so Mm. it's actually you have to be having fun when you're doing it it's it's, it's a play, it's a game, mm. it's being present. Mm. And uh, that's really everything that we've mm. been learning. Exactly. And I mean, and take that as a preview, guys. It's an important thing to look at, especially as an actor, when things can be really unstable and pretty uncertain. But, you know, we'll, we'll go into all that, success, failure, and, and stuff yeah. along the same lines. But, you know, thank you, Lee Hong, for dropping by. I don't know if you can hear, but I'm just beside a highway. And because Circuit Breaker is over, I can hear all the traffic and I'm just like, <laughs> oh my goodness um but no thanks thanks for dropping by man it was really good like talking to you and and kind of getting your insights about creativity from home (laughs) um thanks a lot kim for having me um i you know how much i can talk and um i'm pretty sure we will talk a lot more Mm. soon yes yes we will thank you all for listening and for those who of you who are interested i'll be including the link to lee hong's auto drama in the description box but that's all we have for you today peace out guys till next time